0: Oh no. Every week I mean. Alrighty. Hello, hello. This is cool. Uh I'll be honest, last time I did this Aaron forgot until I reminded him. So I'm glad you remembered this time. That probably saved you a bunch of work. That was pretty funny. Also last time I just made fun of Aaron for a while. We could do that again. Um How's your arm, dude? That is cool. <laughs> Not cool. So awesome, dude. Uh, so we're um, we're still going through Mark, as far as I understand. You guys are in your Mark series. We're in Mark chapter three, the beginning of Mark three, um, kind of verse seven through nineteen. I'm mostly gonna do verses thirteen to nineteen, and this is. Um, This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry as a team. So it's not really the beginning of his public ministry. He's done a couple things already. But in the passage that we're going to read, he chooses his 12 disciples. Uh, So this is the beginning of of Jesus doing ministry with these guys helping him out. Um, And he's going to pick people to be with him. It's going to mark a change in his ministry. He starts getting questioned a lot. And... uh, Really, this is the beginning of, Mark is describing to us kind of the difference between insiders and outsiders. Uh, So that's the focus of what we're going to talk about tonight, insiders and outsiders. What does that mean? What does it it look like? Um, I was, I don't know if you guys know this, I was actually from, from, for a period of, from first grade to sixth grade, I was the coolest kid in school because uh, I was homeschooled, and so uh, we took a vote, my mom said, you're my favorite, and I was like, I took that to mean favorite in the class, so I was probably the coolest kid in class, um, it's pretty scientific, hard to hard to debate that, um, my brother was the worst, I was the best, so that went well, um, but no, not really, I, uh, after that, I went to school and uh, kind of was struck with the realities of being a nerdy homeschool kid, and uh, I sort of, kind of flips your world pretty hard. I do remember, um, do you guys even know what uh, AOL Instant Messenger was? AIM. Like AIM? AIM, right? That was like, yeah, that was like way, That was like the original Facebook Messenger and it did like nothing. Um, so instead of emojis, we'd have to come up with acronyms for like when our parents were in the room and we were talking in code and stuff. <laughs> but I remember I was like meeting friends for the first time and I was trying to talk to them on this AIM thing and Um, I remember we had talked the day before about a guy named Eminem, or something named Eminem, I didn't know what that was, so I typed in what, who is, you know, I was like, this is a safe person, who is capital M and M, and he didn't know what I was talking about for quite a while, because we were talking about the rapper, which is not spelled like that at all, it's spelled Eminem, and, um, man, I was just a loser, um, (laughs) So here we go with Mark. (laughs) That'll that'll be relevant, maybe. Uh, We'll back up a little bit to get some context. Verse 7, I think you guys did before that last week. So Jesus departed with his disciples to the sea, and a large crowd followed him from Galilee, uh, Judea, Jerusalem, Edomia, beyond the Jordan, and around Tyre and Sidon. The large crowd came to him because they heard about everything he was doing. Then he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him, so the crowd would not crush him. Since he had healed many, all who had diseases were pressing toward him to touch him. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, those possessed fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he would strongly warn them not to make him known. Then he went up the mountain and summoned those he wanted, and they came to him. He also appointed twelve. He also named them apostles to be with him, to send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. He appointed the twelve. To Simon he gave the name Peter, and to James the son of Zebedee, and to his brother John he gave the name uh, Boanerges, that is, the sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, and Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Alright, so what we get here, and we're just going to break this down and, and go a little bit of verse by verse for a while, and then uh, make, some, make some application stuff towards the end. But what we're looking at is Jesus is calling people to come and be with him. And we saw in the first part of the passage, there's a large crowd around Jesus, and he goes up the mountain to choose 12. So what we're looking at is Jesus choosing 12 specific people for a specific role, uh, to do specific things, to be close with him. Essentially, what we're getting is kind of the definition of what does it mean to be a disciple, and uh, he's going to pick these people to do something, and so we'll remind ourselves, starting up at verse 13 again, that Jesus went up the mountain and summoned those he wanted, or he called the ones that he wanted, and they came to him. So the very first thing, this is a reminder to me, is that Jesus is the one who calls disciples. Uh, Disciples didn't go looking for Jesus. Jesus calls us. And if you guys don't know, uh, this actually never happened until Jesus did it. Rabbis, Jewish rabbis, would not go and pick people. The people would have to go sign up. If you wanted to be mentored by a a rabbi, you actually had to go find him and get permission to be mentored by him. You had to go basically interview and say, I think you're really smart. Teach me some stuff about life. And if they thought you were worth your time, they would take you with them. Jesus totally flips that up and he goes looking for people. I really like that reminder because I think we still live in that world, um, that world that is on us to go reach out and grab it, right? I've sat through a bunch of high school graduations, I did this for a while, and I can't tell you how many high school graduations are, A, not very good, I don't know who's voting for the teachers, but they seem to be like, all right, I did one really good one, now I get voted a bunch, and now I'll just coast, right? Because we voted for my favorite English teacher, and he was, like, just boring, Um, so... They're they're just they're that, but also they're the same thing. Right? Dream big. Go get it. Whatever you want, you could have it. Just achieve. Don't ever stop working. They're all this work hard mentality and you'll be rewarded. And that's totally the world that we live in. And Jesus goes and he picks a bunch of crazy people. We'll look at the types of people that he picked a little bit later. But Jesus called his disciples. It's not that they uh, came to him to decide to follow Jesus and do him a favor. Um, but he picked some people. So verse 14, we continue. He also appointed 12. He also named them apostles. Do you, guys, um, do you guys name your cars or anything like that? you guys do that? There's a couple, yeah. So who gets to name stuff? Right, how does that whole system work? Well, your parents named you, right? Aaron's done a lot of naming. <laughs> Maybe more. I'm just kidding, they're not having any babies. <laughs> so the one who gets to do the naming is the one who has possession or authority. Right? You guys didn't name me. I didn't name you. Your parents did that. And I don't name your car. You don't name... Actually, I don't even name my cars. I don't like doing that. But I've named other stuff. And you guys have named your cars. The way that it works is the person with authority or the person who possesses is the one who gets to do that. And so what Mark's actually doing is a couple things. things. He's showing us a little bit about who God is. He's also reminding us of what happened at the very beginning of our Bible in Genesis. Um, because in the original language, this is a really weird sentence. It says literally, Jesus made twelve. 12. Now, twelve's not really a thing you can make. But he's using the same creation word that Genesis uses. And so Mark's saying, just that God made the world, Jesus made twelve. And then he says again that he named them. And we see this in Genesis, that after the creation is over, God says, you have Adam power and dominion over the earth. And Adam goes and names the animals. And so it's a sign of authority. And so first we're reminded that Jesus calls his disciples. And then second we're reminded that Jesus has the power to do that kind of thing. But also that Jesus has the power of the one who created the whole universe. And so now in verse 15 he's going he's to give a job description. So this is what it means to be a Disciple. Actually, we're still at the end of verse 14. He named them apostles or disciples to be with him, to send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. So here it is. There's kind of three clauses in there Um, to be with him, to have authority, or to, to send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. So here's the second piece of what. Is so crazy different about the way that Jesus does this. Um, Any job description that you guys will probably have to look at, or any application that you guys will have to do as soon as you leave high school, and trust me, you have to do a lot of them, it's really annoying. They tell you what you do. Almost every single one tells you what you do. They tell you the tasks that are involved, they tell you the things that need to get accomplished. They tell you the type of performance that needs to be delivered. And so Jesus' first job description of a disciple is really interesting because it's not that. Jesus' first description of what it means to be a Christian is to be with Him. There it is. There's part one. There's the first half. There's the number one rule. It's to be with Him. So it's first and foremost, it's a description of who we are. This is a, a, a part of our identity. In fact, it's the biggest part of identity. And so to be uh, an insider, we're talking still insiders and outsiders, as Jesus is building his team and he's, he's saying, this is, this is what it looks like to be close to me. This is what it looks like to be one of my chosen and loved disciples. And the, the task is to, to be with him. I think this is a very, very hard reminder for us and it's a really important reminder because we, I think, are really often focused on what it is that we need to do. And and we just want the list or we want the thing that we can do uh, because that makes more sense to us. But Jesus says first... Before you focus on what it is that you're supposed to do, focus on who it is that you are. And who you are is, we've already looked at this. We just saw it in 14 words. You've been called by the creator of the universe, by the one who has the power, the same power as the God who made the heavens and the earth. And you've been named. And now you're given this description and it begins with simply to be with me. And so who we are is this incredible redefinition of identity and it takes all of the pressure away from what do I have to do? How do I have to get there? And Jesus says, before you do that, can you just be with me? And so the challenge for us is to remind ourselves to stop being focused on doing Christian things and to be focused on Have we interacted with this Jesus lately? Do we talk to Him? Um, These are actually... I was hit really hard with this this morning. And I wasn't even thinking about the passage. I um, wasn't on here yet. And I was struck with just not wanting to do the things that I'm doing anymore. And I was struck with wanting to be better at the things that I'm supposed to be good at. And this reminder here that sometimes we need to literally, here's what it looks like in 2017, we need to put the phone down, we need to stop with the YouTube, all of the things that take our mind and either are neutral or negative or just nothing, and we need to interact with Jesus. And as we'll see as we continue, He will reward our being with Him. Because here's the second thing. Is to send them out to preach. So he calls them. He renames them. He says, here it is. You're to be with me. And then he sends them out to preach. And so the... The way that Jesus builds his kingdom is so different than the way that we would build the kingdom. He takes people, he brings them in, he says, I've already chosen you, I've already loved you, I have done the work, I have brought you close to me, you are in, now go out. Go out and do what I have done. And that's why you see the types of things that Aaron does for you guys down here, the things that did not happen before Jesus did them. That of being like Jesus, of going to other people, of meeting others where they are, of going and finding the outsiders and making them the insiders. And Jesus sends them out. He brings them in and He sends them out. And the third one is actually really interesting. That's verse 15 right there. It's very short. So the third thing to do as a disciple of Jesus Christ, is to have authority to drive out demons. So I had to think about this for a lot, because I didn't really want to come down here and do a whole talk on demonology, because then i have to go defend it to Aaron, and that's like five lunches, and I don't have time for that. So I was trying to think about, how does this work? <clears throat> so for those of you uh, who have been here a while, actually for everybody, what the heck, um, how, many, how many demons are getting cast out in the Old Testament? Right, so we're not very far into the New Testament. So all Genesis, all that other stuff. It's really, really uncommon. How many demons are mentioned in the New Testament letters, right? When we read Romans, when we read First Corinthians, when we read First John, how many demons are being talked about? It's not very many. It's this really, really interesting thing in our Bible. When we read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, they're everywhere. And you're like, oh my goodness, this world that we live in in 2017 makes no sense to the Bible because Jesus is walking around casting out demons on a daily basis, or so it seems. But, and then we forget that that's actually unusual, even for them. It's not happening all of the time. You'll get Paul writing about spiritual forces. You'll get Paul writing about the authority of the world. But you don't get have communion, love your neighbors, cast out thine demons. That's just not part of the normal majority of the Bible. So what is going on with that idea? And then what's going on here? Well, it's this crazy thing where Jesus shows up. And the world is not the same for a few years while Jesus is doing the mission of God and Jesus has come and he's resisted. So while Jesus walks on earth, the devil is throwing a lot of opposition at Jesus and what we're seeing is this clash that Jesus has come to do the work of the kingdom of God and the devil is trying to resist it. And for whatever reason, while Jesus was on earth, earth that a lot of times took the form of uh, people possessed by demons, demonic forces, all of the things that you'll see, actually next chapter, you'll see a really well-known one in the book of Mark. So how does, how does that apply to us? If, if that was a special thing for Jesus, how does that apply to us? As Jesus comes to do the work of the kingdom of God, he's being resisted by the devil Evil has come to prevent Jesus from doing the good things that He is that He came to do. Evil is trying to resist Jesus making Himself known. Evil is trying to resist God's touch on the created world being recognized as such. Evil has come to prevent Jesus from making the gospel known, and all of that still happens today. All of that. And so one of my favorite pastors is Matt Chandler. And I love the way that their church goes about trying to interpret, interpret this idea. Is They say one of the reasons that their church exists, exists is to push back darkness. I really, really like that. One of the reasons that we have been called to be with Jesus and be a disciple is to push back darkness is to notice that there's a disconnect between the God that we love and worship and the things that are in our Bible and the way that the world looks today. Something's broken, and actually there's something we can and should do about some of those things. We've been called to push back darkness. We've been called to, in in our own little way, have the authority that Jesus has given us to resist evil and resist everything that Satan throws against us. And so we've, we've looked at here uh, the definition and the call of a disciple. And so a disciple is a matter of being called in and of being sent out. First and foremost to be with Jesus, and then to go show that and to share that. And I think what it is, is it's, it's our relationship with Jesus and the way that we live because of that if you want just a short version of what Mark's saying here. The definition of a disciple could be here, our relationship with Jesus and how we live because of that. So let's continue here. You guys ever thought about the names that are here? The names of the apostles? Um, Peter, James, John... Andrew, Philip, and then a bunch that are kind of hard to pronounce. Bartholomew, Thaddeus, Judas, Matthew, Thomas. Those are kind of normal. James. Uh, now, when we, when we talk about most of the disciples, we know Peter, James, John. Maybe we know Andrew or Thomas. And then the rest, a whole bunch of them get lost. Right? They get lost to the point where the only time that they're mentioned in the Bible is right here. Hold on to that thought for just a second. Here's a list of 12 guys, five or six of them you might see pop up in other places, and about half of them, the only time that you see their name in the Bible is in one of these two lists. And yet Jesus picked 12 people. Did he mess up? Jesus picked 12 people and 6 of them, we only even know they existed because they're written in one verse right here. Here's what I think that means. Not everyone in the kingdom of God has to be well recognized. The fact that these guys' names are here, even if you've never heard of them, and you'll probably forget by the end of your time in Mark who they were, the fact that their names are here stands as a witness to the truth that the existence of the church, the very fact that there is still church, the very fact that there are still people who want to worship God, that there are people who do what Aaron and I do, all of that is completely in debt to the work of hundreds and thousands and millions of people whose names you'll never know whose role you'll never see, we have no idea how important they were. And yet, they were incredibly important. We say that about the 12 listed here, and we say that about the way that the church works even today. That there will be people who have a voice, there will be people who have uh, maybe a picture on a wall, there will be people who have microphones, there will be people who have podcasts, there will be people who are the, the insiders, there'll be people who are well-known, respected, well-liked, whatever it is. And then there'll be people that you've never heard of. And they are so incredibly important to the church. Because it's not about what we do. It's about the fact that Jesus has called us. And He's renamed us. And His primary responsibility is to be with Him. And then to go to share and to show that. And I think this is simply here as a reminder and encouragement for us. Uh, because we look around, and even churches are guilty of this. Right? How big is your church? Whatever. How cool is your worship team? I am not a cool worship leader, so I'm always, like, really self-conscious about stuff like this. There's people who do, you know. We just got this app, and it's really helpful for scheduling. But we have this app, and I'm looking at the pricing thing. We're in this like little teeny tiny bracket, and it's because we have like less than 50 people who will ever be involved, and you go all the way, and you just keep it, you scroll, 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 and there's like, if you have more than 2,000 people involved in your ministry, you know, you pay like a gazillion dollars. And I'm like, I don't even know 2,000 people. <laughs> I'm never going to be in charge of 2,000 people. I don't know what it looks like to be in charge of 2,000 people. Never even heard of 2,000 people being involved in one ministry. How the heck would you ever do that? And there's these mega churches and there's these just this idea that there's Christianity and there's better Christianity. That there's a church and there's a better church. That there's pastors and that there's better pastors. And that's not true. Jesus does not make a mistake by choosing 12 people some of whom are really well known, some of whom are not. Jesus did that on purpose. How cool is that for those of us who are never going to be well known? That you're not picked on by accident. <laughs> how, how, how encouraging is that to remember that the God of the universe has called you because he called you? You never have to strive for some great thing to earn the favor or to pay back, but it's there. Because he gave it. And actually, almost, on almost a side note, but this is a good and healthy thing for the church, or for your youth group, or for your family as Christians, if they're that. However this looks, wherever Christians are together, God has created us different, and we're supposed to be different. And we're supposed to live with our different strengths and preferences, and have that work out for good. One more thing on the names and then we'll wrap it up. Um, the kingdom of God brings even enemies together. Uh, I don't know what it is about my personality I'm really competitive but I'm super good at making enemies. Uh, I'll make like I'm really good at so if there's like ten people, I'll make friends with nine of them, and then I'll just pick one guy to be, like, my arch rival. I don't know why. I don't even really know how I do that. I definitely don't know why I do it. Um, But, like, I'm in this Frisbee League right now, and that's happened on pretty much every single team. There's, like, one guy that just hates me. I'm like, I don't know what my problem is. But we go through life. At least I make enemies. I don't know if you guys do. You're probably nicer than me. Um, But that's just normal. Even if you don't want to call them enemies, there's people you don't like as much. There's people who maybe don't like you as much. There's people you don't really understand that much. There's people you don't get along with. That's all in this list. Simon, uh, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot who also betrayed him. There's a whole lot of information in that list. For one, we get the guy who betrayed Jesus. For another, we get a zealot. Who's um, what would I don't know what a contemporary example of that is. He really, really, really didn't like the government. <laughs> How's that? So we got that guy. We got some. Uh, we got some super conservative guys in here. We also have a guy. We've got a. We've got a Greek name. So I don't know what his deal is, but he might not even be fully Jewish. We've got a tax collector, and we've got people who are dirt poor, and we've got people who flunked out of seminary, and as you go through the book of Mark in just a couple of weeks, it doesn't take long, they're going to start fighting. (laughs) And Jesus put all of these people in the same campground all of the time. And so what God calls us to is this crazy family. I don't know how you guys do it down here, but you've got people that the only thing you have in common with and the only thing that you can agree on is that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And Sometimes that's going to be all that you have and according to Jesus, that needs to be enough. And that's really hard. That's really, really hard. So that's the last piece of what this looks like as we're talking about Jesus making insiders, Jesus defining insiders and outsiders. And He takes all of us weirdos And he calls us, and he gives us the same grace. He gives us the same job description. And he says, now I want you to get along with other weirdos, and I want you to do it for the purpose of being with me, going out to show and to share others, and to push back darkness. So essentially what Jesus is doing right here, and this is the last thing, is Jesus raises the bar. Jesus raises the bar on what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be a Christian. I know Aaron does that here, Uh, I've talked to him, but um, it's funny, I've talked to a lot of people who believe that's actually not a good thing to do. And I've talked to people even about church, uh, but all kinds of stuff, not church, and I say, we should raise the bar. And they say, no, if you raise the bar, people won't come. Sometimes that's true, but Jesus raised the bar, and actually, if this is done well, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Uh, I joined a track team my, my freshman year. I went to Whitworth University to run track, and that was the year Coach started making cuts. So they went from 108 athletes to 70, and we went from being, like, third last in the conference to being conference championships. We won with 38 less people than we had the year before because Coach raised the bar. And so Jesus calls these guys here, and he says, um, so here's the deal. If you want to be a disciple, uh, by the way, I all brought you here, so you're all my disciples. And you're going to be a disciple. Uh, it's free. It's free, but it's super hard. <laughs> it's like really stupid hard. You want in. And people are like, um, it's free? He's <laughs> like, yeah, it's free, but it's really hard. And that's what, if you are a Christian here tonight, that's what you and I have signed up for. We've signed up for the free grace of God that comes with this simple, yet incredibly difficult job description. But we're insiders. We are insiders in the kingdom of God, and He has called us to go and to share that with others, to make it known to others, to Bring people together for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so while raising the bar is hard, there's a lot of comfort in how Jesus does it. Because he doesn't do it by giving us more tasks. He just tells us honestly what type of life that will be. But he doesn't give us more tasks. The task is to be with him. Let's pray. God, God, we do thank you for this evening. Um, Thank you just for a place that we can come and and be together and play games and sing songs and do stuff like that. Um, Thank you for uh, meeting us here tonight. I ask that you would just take the rest of this evening and use it to your glory. And I ask specifically, God, that you would go uh, tonight with each one of these students, um, that you would help them to know you and that you would encourage all of us as we go here, from here, that we do not need to be lonely, we do not need to feel excluded, but that we have you as our God. We thank you, we love you, and we praise you, in your name we pray. Amen. I want you to stand up and we'll sing a little more.